Doing it live on a Tuesday. This is the 11, 11 Dubcast. Welcome to it. Merely Bo Bishop. We Johnny Ginter will join as well right on the other side. We are presented by the Dry Goods Store at 11warriors.com. Go there, shop, buy things, line our pockets. We'd appreciate it. Um, <laughs> look, we got a spring game, buddy. Good talking to you. Uh, we've got a spring game to discuss. And I had the um, the harsh realization that hit me last night as I watched it on DVR kind of to go through it a second time, um, that the entire time I was in Columbus, I made too big a deal of this thing. And <laughs> I wasn't alone. I think a lot uh -huh. of us did. Um, but it very much is something I touched on last week, which is it is just an excuse for for Buckeye fans to get into that stadium, um, kind of the beginning of spring, although not this year, but in most cases, the beginning of spring. But what the, the quality of the product on the field has simply gotten worse and worse and worse um, <laughs> over the years. It's just dreadful. Um, and, and it's they tried a little bit and there was something to see with these quarterbacks. I couldn't take too much from it, but but overall, um, it got off. It was kind of a weird way that they had to start it because they had, you know, the, the weather was coming in, so they had to play a little earlier, and it seemed like it was just off from Jump Street to me on the on the two viewings I have it. I wasn't there. Did you happen to go to the game? No, hell no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. You'd have to you pay wipe me. Down. You're not going to that. No. <laughs> no. Come on. But you do understand. I feel like when I was there, as I first got to Columbus at Channel Ten, we broadcast the game. Yeah. So oh yeah. I've I've done a spring game. You know, like right. it was before BTN existed. You know, we we would broadcast the game, and it was a big deal. And it seemed like the city shut down, and it seemed like in many of the instances it was a beautiful day. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know this, and it kind of was like the start of spring. But but really, we really. Do, do, took a deep dive into all the position battles and all this. And really what you got on, on Saturday was a game of aerial where the defense gave, I was looking at some footage today. We were doing the television show and the, the lack of effort that was given up front was just stunning at times. So, <laughs> um, and obviously the quarterbacks were in black Jersey. So let's just start there. And I'll ask you a very simple question based on the uh, data that has been gathered by our intrepid reporters and by what you've seen with your own eyes. Sure. Did Dwayne Haskins do enough bring to still be the starting quarterback or presumed starting quarterback at Ohio State, even if he has not been named officially? No, I'm not convinced. And uh, you know what? That's a I problem. I, yeah, it is a problem. And we, we can get deep into that. I, and I'm sure we will get into that over the summer and, and leading into fall camp and whatnot. But no, I don't think so. I think Joe Burrow looked really good. And I don't yeah. think that you can say that there's a lot of separation between the two. And frankly, and look, this is a drum I'm going to be pounding all summer long. I think Joe Burrow is going to end up being ultimately the starter. And I'm saying that right now in the middle of April, which is stupid, but I am saying that uh, because I, I just think that the natural inclination for a football coach is to go with the the best bet, the safe bet, and the guy that can run the offense that you have. And I don't see any inclination to change a lot of what they do. And I think Joe Burrow can run that effectively. And I think they also have a vested interest in having both Joe Burrow and Dwayne Haskins on the same roster. And so all of that leads me to believe that Dwayne Haskins hasn't done enough to secure the starting position. I think it's going to be Burroughs. That's a, that's a stunning declaration on your part because most <laughs> believe that well, it, it doesn't is. cost me anything. So, I mean, I don't disagree. I don't yeah. disagree with you that, that Dwayne, um, I, Joe was better in the spring game. I think anybody would say that sure. not demonstrably better, but he was better. Mm -hmm. Um, here's the tricky part. Uh, Joe basically backloaded his schedule so he can graduate early. Um, and he is demanding an answer and he wants to know if he's the starter or not. 
And I think Urban owes it to him to give him that answer, or at least as close to one as he can. Um, Dwayne Haskins holds no cards in this. Uh, of all the quarterbacks involved, and Tate Martell's not in the mix to play, but because of the lack of depth behind him in talent at the quarterback position, Martell has to be kept happy. And so I, there will be a package for him in every game. And that can sometimes be to the detriment of the offense. So that will be very tricky for Urban and his staff to, to navigate next fall. No matter who the starter is, Martell's going to play. And that's, if the other two are both still there, that's really awkward. Oh, yeah. Um, if that's the case. If it is Burrow, Haskins can't really go anywhere right now. I mean, he's already burned his red shirt. He would be basically losing a year of eligibility and just have a year left to play. So he's in a really tough spot um, when it comes to his options. Burrow has unlimited options. He can graduate in May and could really go play anywhere. And Martell, pretty much, he's or it's young enough in his career that if he were so upset that he wasn't going to get any run, he could leave and still have, what, two years to play somewhere else. Or right. Three. Well, it Maybe might be three, three years to play somewhere yeah. else. Yeah. Three years to play somewhere else. So he would he could still have an entire career somewhere if he wanted to. The only one who has no who holds no cards is Dwayne Haskins. Um right. so this is a little bit of a tricky thing. And I tend to agree with you that um I think that Urban and them had hoped that Haskins would dominate and be the clear choice. Haskins has been better in actual games in that he's played meaningful snaps, i.e. the Michigan game, and Burrow hasn't. So that's his one thing he has on on Joe. I agree. I think the best point you made was the last one where you said a coach would want to stick with what he's been doing. They could play Joe Burrow and not change a damn thing. Absolutely. If they play Dwayne Haskins, they got to change the offense. And that's that that needs to be acknowledged. Yeah. And and that's and look, and that's not that's not to say that they can't. It's not to say that they don't have the players to do whatever they want to do, because I think they do. I think there's a ton of talent on the team. But as far as the quarterback position goes, I think they're going to look for consistency, and I think that'll be Joe Burrow. And, and, and for me personally, like I would like to see Dwayne Haskins be the starter because I think Ohio State needs to have some kind of you know shift in what they do offensively. But honestly, Joe Burrow looked good. I mean, I'm not, that's not to take anything away from what he has accomplished in the spring and what he did in the spring game in general. The guy clearly can play the position of quarterback, and – you know, if he's a better quarterback, he should start. So, you know, yeah, I, you know, I don't have a problem with it. I just think it, it's, it's something that Ohio State kind of needs to do. And I would hope that the, uh, you know, putting Dwayne Haskins in that position would kind of impel the coaches to change some things that I think need to be changed, but I'm not going to complain if Joe Burrow is the starting quarterback. I think he's a special guy in terms of like talent and uh, quarterbacking ability. So, you know, it, the other thing is, I mean, we talk so much about the quarterbacks, but really the, a lot of the offense is going to be on the running game uh, this season. And I think that's pretty self-evident just in terms of the talent that you have all, all, all around the field. I mean, even if you look at a guy like Paris Campbell, like the dude catch it, he, he effectively is, is doing these like toss sweeps when he's getting these, you know, little yeah, side passes and running down the yeah. field. So they've got guys like tomorrow McCall and, and Paris Campbell, in addition to, Mike Weber and J.K. Dobbins and even Antonio Williams, who apparently is the only guy that the team's allowed to tackle in spring practice, right. um, which was I didn't I didn't know what the hell that was about. But like <laughs> to me, I almost feel like we're focusing on the wrong thing just in terms of what the offense is going to look like. I hope. Um, no, see, I think I'll disagree with you there. I, I okay. think that I think if it's Burrow, they'll the, the reason this is such a, a monumental decision because if it's burrow you will have the same offense you saw had the last couple of years and an offense yeah. that you can right. go 11 and 1 10 and 2 but you're not beating bama 
and you're yeah. not beating Clemson. And that ain't on Burrow, right? Because Burrow's got a stronger arm than JT. Like, he can throw it down the field. He, he actually does possess those skills. To me, he's got a lot of Alex Smith in him. And I'm not suggesting he's going to be the number one pick in the NFL draft. But <laughs> Turner, you can win a lot with him in college. I mean, he's right. got a lot, a lot more athleticism than people realize. He's got a bigger arm than people realize. Haskins is, is basically a refined Cardale Jones. Yeah. And if Haskins is the quarterback, then it is a 2014 national championship, Ohio State, run the ball down the field and then have receivers that can get deep. Now, the question is, and this is the biggest one, and it's one we'll get to a little bit more later in the show, is the idea of do they have that? Do they have a receiver like Devin Smith who can get deep? Because yeah. I don't see it. I mean, I know everybody likes Ben Victor, but like – I've seen well, I see talent at receiver, but I see no production at receiver. I see no game breakers at receiver. I like McCall as much as you do. Paris Campbell can run drag routes all he want, but he can't get deep. And yeah. so this is they have big problems in the passing game still that need to be shored up. So to me, if they go burrow, the offense looks the way it looks the last couple of years with a little bit better ability to go down the field. But if they go Haskins, wow. I mean, that's a dramatic change in what they do offensively. Well, and it forces teams to game plan for Ohio State a lot more differently than they have in the past because, yeah. you know, I, like I said, one of the reasons why I want them to change what they're doing is because I think other teams are starting to lock into what they do. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that. You don't want to be stale. You don't want to be predictable. Yeah. And it feels like it's a little bit of that. But, you know, to me, this is going to be just a really fascinating season because they are going to have to find what works. And you're right. They don't have a Devin Smith. They don't. Like they, I mean, Ben Victor, I think, can be a really good wide receiver, but he's not a game breaker. He can use his body to get open. He's a really tall, lanky guy, but that doesn't mean he can get down the field in a flash and doesn't mean he can out jump every single other person on the field. So, you know, they've got talent, but they're going to have to figure out how it works. And, and look, we are so used to Ohio State being automatically like, okay, next guy, next guy. But at some point, you're going to have to figure out some answers to some questions. And there are definitely some questions yeah. on the team. We haven't talked about the defense. I mean, defensive line is going to be great, but that's one of those situations where there's very little depth. Uh, and you're going to have to, you know, replace some guys over the course of the season, maybe due to injury or just fatigue. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on with the team that I think is going to be really interesting to see how it plays out, especially when they start figuring out the depth chart in the summer, because, uh, it's not a team with as much depth as it's had in the past. No, it's really young and it's really, I mean, yeah. you look at linebacker, you look at, I mean, across the board, you just several positions where you go, boy, somebody young is going to have to step up and be great. Right. Um, and I'm going to harp on receiver a lot because it's been a position of weakness the last few years and it, it's got to get better. And, um, you know, I did, I don't, I haven't seen enough with my own eyes to lead me to believe that it will. So um, we'll address that in your man McCall a little bit later up later on in the program <laughs> as well as um, uh, because it, that deserves its own segment. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Up next, Stuart Mandel from The Athletic to discuss college football and the Bucks and the Big Ten and everything else. Still to come, though, ask us anything and a chance for you to pick the new court at the shot. Did you see this? But before we do that, oh, yeah. we encourage you to visit the 11 Warriors Dry Goods store for shirts, hats, stickers, and more. Drygoods.11warriors.com. It is with great pleasure that we bring on our next guest. He is Stuart Mandel. He is the editor-in-chief of the Athletic College Football page. It's a good one, folks. I know many of you probably subscribe, and if you don't, you should. It's uh, it's really the best writing in college football and in sports in general. A lot of good friends of ours work for the two sites here in Columbus and Cleveland, and um, they're good, and they do they do really good work, and to have Stuart writing for them is great. Stuart, I've been reading you for 15 years probably, man. I remember the, your Sports Illustrated column years ago, um, and you're just you've just done a great job of, 
of becoming one of the really important voices in college football. So we thank you for taking the time. I'll, I'll start with this. Um, when Urban Meyer, I covered Urban Meyer at Florida. And when I was in Columbus, when he got hired to be the, uh, the coach at Ohio State, and I was on the air and I said, I thought he'd be, I set the over under at the time he would be in Columbus at seven years. He's going into his seventh year at Ohio State. He just signed a rich extension. Um, your view from from a national perspective of not only the job he's done, but the amount of time he's been in Columbus and the way he's approached this job and how it differs to the way he approached the Florida job. Yeah, I definitely I, I've known him since back at the um, last season at Utah, and he definitely seems like a much. And, and look, this shouldn't be a surprise. We we grow older, we we learn, we adapt. He he seems like he's in a much different place uh, at Ohio State than he was at Florida. You know, if you try to put him back, put yourself in the headspace of when he got to Florida, I think he was maybe 40, 41. Um, you know, hadn't coached in the SEC before. It was just kind of thrown into the fire, and um, I think he put a lot of pressure on himself to first to, to, to get there, to win those national championships, then to maintain it. Um, and he obviously, you know, had – it didn't end well there. Um, I don't think he's, you know, chilling there in Columbus by any means. He's, by all indications, he's still intense. He works his staff really hard. Um, but I think he's got a little bit more perspective. And I don't get the – I think he just feels really comfortable there. He's not um, – you know, obviously he, people question his – how he handled the quarterback situation one year. And, you know, last year after the um, Oklahoma game, that people wanted him to bench J.T. Barrett. Like, I get that. But he seems pretty isolated from it. He seems pretty um, just kind of sure in his ways at this point in his career. Well, one of the yeah, things – I would – real quick on that. I just wanted to follow up real quick on that because I, the um, when he was hired, we knew that in Columbus, we knew that he would, he would have a tremendous impact on, obviously, his program. But what what I what I'm even more impressed with, I suppose, and more aware of than than I than I even would have thought at the time was the impact he had on the league. Um, and if you look, go around what Big Ten coaches were being paid when he got hired, and their assistant coaches, and what the facilities looked like, and even in some cases who those coaches were, and you look at who they are now, I can point to the hiring of Urban Meyer at Ohio State as kind of the thing that changed all that. Do you, do you have you ever thought of that and the impact that he had on the rest of the league? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, for years the Big Ten was stuck in this cycle of, well, who's the hot coach in the MAC? Tim Beckman. Okay, well, we're going to hire him. Daryl Hazel, hire him. Uh, it just wasn't. Uh, they weren't spending money like they probably could have been. They weren't thinking big. I remember sitting in a press box. I don't. I don't honestly remember if it was before Urban Meyer got hired or not, but was still when the league was taking a lot of criticism. I was sitting in a press box with Adam Rittenberg, who was covering the Big Ten for ESPN.com at the time, and, and I was asking him since he covered the conference so closely, like, why don't these schools they have they're making the most money of any conference? Why don't they spend it on football coaches? He was lamenting the same thing. Now, once Urban Meyer came on board, in a very short amount of time, we see Michigan get Harbaugh, Penn State get James Franklin. Even you know, even now the 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 you know in the last two years, who was the hottest made major coach in the country? Two years ago is PJ Fleck. He's at Minnesota now. Yeah. Last year is Scott Frost. He's at Nebraska. You know these these schools are are thinking big as they should be. So um, also you know recruiting when Urban Meyer came in, flipping kids was considered you know taboo. taboo. Um, now I think the the highest level schools know that's you know, 
That's how you win. That's how you recruit. So he definitely changed the dynamics in that conference. Well, tangential to that, one of the things that, you know, we've talked about is part of the reason why it kind of went sideways at Florida is because he wasn't necessarily trusting his assistants. He had a lot of turnover on his coaching staff. We have seen not necessarily the fact that he doesn't trust his assistants, but there's been a lot of turnover at Ohio State, guys moving on to different jobs. Is that, I guess what I want to know and what I'm thinking about, is that a warning sign or is that a sign of even a healthy program because he's been able to replace them so readily and it doesn't seem like they're losing a ton of continuity between one coach to the next? Well, I mean, you're going to have turnover on your coaching staff. I mean, Alabama this year has six new assistants. Uh, they've, you know, every right. year it seems like one of Saban's guys gets a head coaching job. I think what's impressive right now about that staff is you've got Greg Schiano as there as a defense coordinator. Obviously, he should be a head coach right now. That should have happened, but he's still there. And then Alex Grinch was one of the most respected, you know, hot defensive coordinator candidates in the country from his time at Washington State. He leaves Washington State to go to what may seem entitled as a demotion. But obviously, he just really wanted to go work for for that program and go back to his state in Ohio. So it's kind of a loaded coaching staff right now. I mean, when Kevin Wilson, who I believe is one of the best offensive coaches in the country, is sharing that role with somebody (laughs) else, that shows you how loaded that coaching staff is. If I can make one other comparison to Florida, I mean, it's no secret he had a lot of bad apples on that team by the end. And, And he took a lot of crap for that in the years afterward. And, you know, it's there was, he doesn't hide from that. Like there, he had a lot of guys getting into trouble there. You know, I've really been struck by, and this is going to sound really cheesy, but um, especially being around that 2014 team a lot, but, but even after that, when the times I've come there, they've got a lot of really, really good kids at Ohio state. It's not, it, it, it doesn't fit the stereotype, I guess, that some people may have from the outside, the people who are still making the old jokes about Irvin Meyer and, and Aaron Hernandez or whoever else gets brought up in those jokes. Like, it does seem, you know, every, every coach preaches it, oh, we have great kids here, but it does seem like they've made a concerted effort to um, get high-character guys there. Yeah, and I think, Stuart, don't you think that's because they can? And and I guess what I mean by that is um, when I was in the South covering uh, Florida State and Florida and Alabama's there and LSU's there and Georgia's there and Miami's there, and the fight for players is just a knockdown drag out over every kid. And I get always got the feeling talking to urban that he was at the time, he was worried that if he didn't take a kid, somebody else down there would, and they'd have to play him. And at Ohio state, because it's the only, you know, it's the only school in the state of Ohio, which is a pretty still, uh, unlike some of the other schools in the big 10, still a tradition rich state. Um, you know, he can get 10, 12 kids on the base of his recruiting from Ohio, the best 10 or 12 or 10 of the best 15. And then he can fill it around the country. And he, because he's kind of selling something different here. They've done a, a, an incredible, they've done a lot of work to sell like this is the pathway to the NFL. And so far it's proven that they are, uh, they have been, they've had great success of putting guys into the NFL. So it's almost like that. This is like the one, one of the few jobs where he can be choosy with who he takes. And I agree with you. I think he's made a conscious decision to do so. Yeah, I think that's right. You know, I think in the SEC when people say it's a meat grinder, Sometimes people like to mock that, but in terms of recruiting, it definitely is. And, you know, when he was at Florida, you know, there weren't that many teams they were going to play in the course of their schedule. I mean, they did play Vanderbilt every year. They play Kentucky every year. For the most part, they were going up against the teams that recruit the same players they do. When you're at Ohio State, 
you're gonna that's gonna be the case against Michigan and Penn State, and that's about it. Um, you know, Michigan State has had a lot of success and deserves all the credit, but they're doing it. You know, they're we know like their um, their formula is is the under the radar guy. Same with Wisconsin. Um, Ohio State goes into every season knowing they're more talented than all but a couple teams on their schedule. So you're right. I think they can be choosy that way. Well, so you're talking a little bit about one of the decisions that Urban Meyer made or didn't made with the, the quarterback kind of controversy between, you know, JT Barrett and uh, Cardell Jones. He's got another one coming up. And in my view, you've got one decision that will kind of force a change at Ohio State. And they've got another cha- decision that will kind of delay that change. And to me, I've, I, I am an advocate of change. I, I want the team to kind of evolve a little bit. I know you've seen a little bit about what Joe Burrow can do, but you've, we've obviously, everyone in the cross country has seen more of Dwayne Haskins, at least in terms of play time. What do you think is the maybe best decision in terms of football? And maybe what do you think is the decision that Urban Meyer will ultimately make on this? Well, for me, uh, I think Joe Burrow would have to be just really, really outstanding for him to say, I know he said he wants to make this decision in the next couple of weeks, which actually surprised me for him to come out and say that. Do you, do you believe but, that? Well, I mean, he said in the past that he wants to like kind of do right by Joe Burrow in case he needs yeah. to look for other options. So he does seem to be trying to stick to that. You know, you would think if it was really close between those two or those three that you'd want that to continue into preseason camp. So right. it seems like he's trying to either say like it's his job if he thinks that, or he's totally out of it. And I don't know. I don't know where he sits exactly. But, you know, Dwayne Haskins, just from that little, you know, what we saw against Michigan, I think the other guys have to be really, really outstanding for him not to be the quarterback. And I know what you're saying, that there is some thought to, well, should you, should you get more of the dual threat guy who, um, you know, fits what they were doing with J.T. Barrett, but they also won a national championship with Cardell Jones, who was right. not the, the you know, runner. I mean, he was, he was a runner, but he wasn't like J.T. Barrett was. So we actually had a Joel Klatt on our podcast, The Audible, uh, on Monday, who he went to Columbus this spring, and he's called a lot of their games for Fox. And he was saying kind of the same thing, that he thought if they just go with Dwayne Haskins, they could probably – it would probably give them the best chance of success this season because they do a lot of what they did with Cardell Jones in that, you know, three-game stretch. You have more of a pro-style guy who could take advantage of what should be some really good deep play receivers. I know they, they were missing that for a little bit, especially uh, two seasons ago, but they should have that this year. Yeah, it's a fascinating decision. And then, you know, Urban's Urban has had, you know, he won. A, it's weird because he won the national championship at Florida with, with Tebow as like this, you know, this impact bit player right who who came in but in the national championship game the, against ohio state it, tebow really had no impact at all and it was leak throwing to tight ends and, and that's the way that they kind of dominated the buckeyes in that game and then he really he really flubbed the one in 2015 there's no other way to say it i mean it was it was a pretty pretty poor job of handling personnel um and the way that he jerked cardell and jt back and forth and you know like couldn't make a decision on that and it ended up kind of derailing that entire season so we, we've had him handle one pretty good with with leak and and tebow and then we've had had him handle one pretty poorly i think in 2015 and the other wild card of this is tate martell who as a runner is electric um but he wants to play Stuart. and this is a kid from nevada yeah. He doesn't have family ties in Ohio at all. And with Emory Jones not coming on board last year, they do not have a stud 
enrolling in school this year who could be the future of the position. And so it's incumbent upon them, in my opinion, to keep Martell very happy. So I think he's going to have a spot, a, a place somewhere, um, maybe in a Tebow role or, you know, a few series here and there, some sort of package. Maybe it's like what Oklahoma did with Kyler Murray, but it's easy to do that when you have Baker Mayfield. Ohio State's going to be playing a new quarterback either way. This is tricky for Urban, I think. Yeah, you know, I remember that whole offseason leading into 2015, and Braxton Miller was still in the mix at that point. That's right. And everybody That's was right. talking about this is the greatest luxury any coach has ever had. You know, to, you just get to pick one of these three. I mean, what an amazing luxury. And it turned out, I think it really stressed him out. It really, yeah. you know, he didn't want to do wrong by those guys. You know, fortunately, um, Braxton Miller was willing to change positions or it would have been even more complicated. And so my, that would be my first thought with this. I don't, I don't think it's healthy to try to juggle three quarterbacks. So the first step is who are your two, who are your two guys at least? Um, can you at least narrow it down to that? If Tate Martell is the third string guy, then I don't see, then I don't think you force ways for him to get on the field. Now, if he's the future, then I would think he's going to be higher than third string. And then mm-hmm. once you know who those two are and what their skill sets are, then yeah, you could probably find some way to complement them. I mean, we've got uh, we've got a lot of interesting quarterbacks. Uh, situations this year among the major programs in college football. He's What's Bama. Nick Saban going to do with with uh, Tua and with Jalen Hurts? What's Dallas Swinney going to do? He has a guy there who, and Kelly Bryant, who took them to the playoff, took, stepped in for Deshaun Watson, led them to the playoff, and now everybody there wants to bench him for the true freshman Trevor Lawrence. So um, it's just not as easy. It's not, it's, you, you obviously want to recruit great players, but it's not as easy to keep everybody happy as uh, as some might think. Yeah, I think the entire situation. I mean, I mean, it's. I think you're dead on about how top to bottom. I think in the, the upper tier of college football, there's just so much flux in flux right now. I want to ask you this. This is kind of an off the wall thing, but it's it's something that I've been thinking about a lot, especially in the last week or so. Urban Meyer's contract is been extended. I think through 2022. Who will be at their respective school longer, Urban Meyer or Jim Harbaugh? That's a great question. I I think Urban, just because, and this is even regardless of, you know, people are a little down on Harbaugh right now for last season, but Harbaugh really just wears people down. There's a reason he hasn't <laughs> stayed longer than four years, wherever he's been. Yeah. I didn't quite understand that. Like, I don't cover the NFL. I've heard that about, like, I just remember from, from afar, not having, and I live here. I still don't follow the 49ers that closely. I just remember being really puzzled why, they were getting divorced. And that was, by the way, known very early in that last season. Like, it was just a known thing that they were going to part ways at the end of the season. And I just remember being really baffled by that. The people who covered the team said, yeah, you know, he's just, he's totally alienated everybody there. And I totally get that now. His act were <laughs> And you see that with how much everybody there loved him those first two years, loved every, whatever answer he could come up with, everybody was down with that because he was the savior. And then they go eight and five, and suddenly it's like, you know what? We don't want to hear about Rome anymore. Like we, we, yeah. <laughs> we don't want to hear about sleeping over with kids anymore. Just win football games. So I'm pretty high on Michigan this year. I think they'll be better than they were last year. They do have a brutal schedule. Like I'm not off the Harbaugh bandwagon yet. But regardless of what happens, I just think at some point he'll get restless or they'll get sick of him or something. I just can't see him being the coach there in 2022. Yeah, Stuart, I had this one wrong. I mean, I just completely wrong. I I just assumed that when he got to Michigan, 
he would hit the ground. Be, he'd be a house of fire. I mean, I thought it would be a steady diet of five-star pro-style quarterbacks coming in there. I thought it benefited him that he wouldn't have to recruit quarterbacks against Urban, that he could sell the NFL, and I can get you there as a mm-hmm. quarterback. It just it hasn't happened. Um, and the fact that he's only has one win against Michigan State and Ohio State is stunning to me. I mean, I just assumed that he would win the, some of those games. I, I didn't think that – I knew that the program wasn't in the place that it, that Ohio State's was when Urban took over for Tress, where it was still a very healthy program when when Jim Trestle left it. I, I understood that. But at the same time, you can flip it pretty quick in college football with a couple of recruiting classes. And he just – he they're, they're, they're much better, clearly. But he's not demonstratively better even than Brady Hoke was when he was there from a record standpoint. Well, he took a big step back last year. And I thought yeah. the, the bowl loss in particular – you know, I knew they would take a step back. If you remember, they had lost, I think, 18 starters from the year before. Yeah, right. It was going to be really hard for them to – I mean, it was going to be a rebuilding year. But the one really inexcusable loss was the bowl game, and and that left a, a sour taste in everybody's mouth. But, you know, you take college football, what's the cliche, right? It's a game of inches. It was literally a game of inches two years ago against Ohio State. It yeah. was a, the craziest, flukiest drop punt against Michigan State. Like, a couple of those games go the other way. And it's a whole other narrative with him. He has a better record against the rivals. He, you know, the spot is a little bit different with J.T. Barrett. Maybe they win that game and they go to the playoffs. So they haven't been very far off, I guess is what I'm trying to say, until last year when it did seem like, okay, how come it's year three and he still, his offensive line still isn't very good. They still haven't figured out the quarterback situation. Um, Obviously a lot will ride on this decision with Jay Patterson. I do think that, changes their their outlook a lot for this coming season but if he's not eligible you know there's really no excuse one of those younger guys brandon peters um or mccaffrey's brother one of those guys should be ready to go if he is indeed the the quarterback whisperer that we think yeah well and that's (laughs) and that's the thing like i personally want to see a talented competent michigan football team and it, it just feels like they've been missing pieces um, all right, I, I got to ask you this last question here. I know you're a Northwestern alum. What is your impression of the new practice facility they have out here at the Ryan Fieldhouse? Like that, it, it, it looks from pictures completely bonkers, like right there on Lake Michigan. It's really cool because um, if you've never been there, um, well, two things. The, the, the football complex, really all of Northwestern athletics for the longest time has been way off campus, the, the stadium. Yeah is you know you could walk there but it's not it's not like right now on campus or next to campus so that no matter what it looked like it's just a really big deal that now the football players don't have to get in a van and go off campus to spend the rest of their day like they they can walk right into the center of campus and, and go into the training facility there but you know that's like the one little secret <laughs> that northwestern students have is that you know we have a view of the lake and the beach nobody realizes that because it's so cold I would anybody go to the beach in Evanston, but it is a great view. And I, I got to see that building going up uh, when I was there about a year ago. And I just remember thinking like, man, I, who would have in a million years imagined this would be going up right, right on the lake bill, as we called it. And uh, so I haven't been back since it's been finished, but I've seen the pictures. It looks, you know, that view looks spectacular. Stuart, I'll, uh, I'll get you out of here on this one. I know you're a big curb fan. Um, what was the most valuable curb season in your estimation? And do you think, uh, you think Larry still has his fastball with the, with the last season with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and the, and the play? 
Not going to lie, I thought last season was uh, a little disappointing. I mean, it's still a disappointing program season. season. It's still funnier than almost anything else on television. Right. I just thought they he, – he, he forced it a little bit trying to bring back old bits from previous seasons, you know, even bringing back a couple of the characters from previous seasons. My favorite um, – I'm going to look it up real, real quickly just to refresh my memory. I think my favorite season-long storyline they ever did was when he was on The Producers, and that was probably – Season three that or was, four. Yeah, I think you're right. With David Schwimmer. With, with David Schwimmer and Ben Stiller and eventually, yeah. um, well, Mel Brooks, obviously, and eventually yep. the, the actual cast of the producers. You know, the restaurant one was really good as well, but the producers one just, it all paid off in that last episode. Um, if you remember, I'm not going to give anything away, if you remember the twist at the end. I do, yeah. Yeah, I, I think at this point, I, I people always get on me when I say that Stringer Bell died on the wire, and they're like, hey, spoiler. I'm like, listen, dude, it aired 15 years ago. At this point, <laughs> I can't spoiler you for 15 years later, okay? Yeah, actually, I'm looking at it now. The producer's uh, season was in 2004. So if you haven't okay. seen it yet, that's really not an excuse. It's on you. <laughs> Stuart, appreciate your insight, and uh, certainly appreciate your ability to write and what you're doing at The Athletic. And continued success there, and thank you for the time. Thanks for having me. We remind you, not do not forget to follow the 11 Dubcast on Twitter, rate and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It would do us great. Two things I want to get you real quick. Number one, Demario McCall. Uh, still wear number 30. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At some point, at some point, this is, like, this is the thing that I came away from the spring game, and I, you came away with it from what you saw him last year, and people would ask Urban about Demario last year, and Urban was pretty dismissive about him. I, I think they have to have him play. I mean, I just think he's a playmaker. And I, I don't think they have a lot of them on the perimeter. They have a lot of them at running back, um, but I don't see a lot of guys on the perimeter. I was thrilled to see him have success, and I was also thrilled that our buddy Dan Hope, who writes for us, who called him, basically he was his pick to click that we would be too excited about because of his performance in the spring game. And it's it was the most Demario McCall thing of all time to be like the MVP of the spring game. Like yeah, that fits <laughs> in every single way. So, um, yeah, I, I hope he has a good summer. You got to get a guy like that on the field. I, you know, we have seen in past spring games so many guys emerge as a potential like guy. You know, like this is we got to get him reps. We got to get him on the field. I mean, Ray Small at one point was. I mean, well, he, he had a great that's spring an game. Interesting doppelganger because Ray Small was also electric and yeah. also wore a single digit for a certain time and then was demoted to 82. And now I think he might be in jail. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Didn't he get in trouble? Uh, he I mean, he was for at least a little bit. He might still be there. But I adored Ray Small. He had the best, yeah. he was the nicest kid, the best personality, everything. But he had a certain thing that he did off the field that got him in a lot of trouble. And so nobody trusts him and he couldn't play. And I have, I don't believe that DeMario has, I've certainly heard nothing to lead me to believe that DeMario has any of those issues. Um, but there's something that's keeping him off the field. And there's a reason he doesn't have a single digit because he's wanted one for a while and they keep him in right. 30. And that's something to keep an eye on. Um, so there's a reason he's not playing, but like Roy small, uh, Ray small, who I thought most of the time was the most electric player on the field for Ohio state. A lot of the times when he played, I just feel like this kid's got to get some run and, but, but I don't know what's happening behind closed doors. So maybe that's why he's not. Yeah. I mean, right. There, there's so much that we don't know what's going on with all that. I mean, there's other players who, you know, get bumped down in terms of number. And clearly that's, I mean, I was honestly, when I, 
when people started talking about that and when you talked about it on the dubcast and we've heard some of the guys you know some of our writers talk about like how numbers you know kind of are an oh, indicator man. of where somebody is and i didn't really necessarily believe it i was like yeah yeah but oh, you know people real. just and and i had yeah. no idea how big of a deal a lot yeah. of that really is which it 100 is um mm-hmm. they gotta i just think without anything else going on okay in the absence of any other issues you know off the field or whatever or chemistry issues or something like that i just think he is just too talented to not get him involved in in some way and honestly like you know you were kind of talking about how tate martell would have a lot of special things for him i, I think you got to have something for demario mccall in terms of wheel routes i don't care something get the guy the yeah, ball in the good. backfield watch him do something on the edge because he really is, I think, going to be a really fun player to watch if you figure out how to utilize him correctly. So, you know, and, and the backfield's loaded. I mean, there's no there's no getting around that. You've got to figure out some things, but that's their job. And when you've got that much talent, you can't really just, you know, say, too bad, sorry, we only have so many reps per game. Like, you got to figure something out. So, yeah. that's, you know, and, and he's <laughs> he's the kind of guy who I think fans would love, you know, to see get more reps and oh, to see yeah, they be more involved. Him. Uh, it's just one of those things where you hope the guy has the opportunity uh, next season to really show what he can do. Um, one other thing I wanted to get to before I ask us anything, and that is um, Ohio State is letting you, the fan, vote for the new basketball court design at the shot. Yeah. This is a pretty stunning thing. Um, it's a big deal uh, what, what the basketball court looks like, I do believe. And I looked at the – they have like 10 options, and Johnny – some of them are nuts. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at them right now. Some are completely bonkers. It's hilarious. Um, like, I'm shocked that Ohio State would allow some of these things to be options. Yeah, and for the 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 you know the unwashed masses to pick them too. That's the even right. better part. Steerage <laughs> gets to pick the court. I mean, what are we talking <laughs> about? Some you know. I they do make you like, put the weirdest in your email address. So maybe you can't vote like a thousand times, like everybody's only going to get one vote. But yeah, let's be yeah. honest, young people are going to be the ones voting. Right. I mean, how many people over 50 are even going to be aware that this is going on? Oh, so, I, I hope mean, this zero. Is gonna, yeah, yeah, this is going to be young people voting. So I think, and young people are stupid. So I think it's you're going to end <laughs> up with the equivalent of Ohio State in black helmets. That's what I, I think is so. going to happen. I hope it's yeah. weird as hell. I don't want it to be like the Oregon diarrhea court, you know, that just looks completely yeah, that's terrible. But I, I hope it's just weird as hell. Like I want the weirdest yeah, court possible. You would. That's, that's exactly watchable. right. Millennial. That like the they got the they got buckeye leaves in the they got buckeye leaves <laughs> in the key in one of them. Yeah. I mean they've got like the buckeye stripe everywhere in one. It's crazy what they're doing. So it's God bless you, Buckeyes. I hope it works out for you. And I hope the smart ones vote. So we have so at least at least it's apparent that's an Ohio State court. That's okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link to this in our uh in the post here. Okay. Which, which one would you prefer? Well, I don't have it up right now. Let me see if I can. Um, I'm a I'm a simpleton when it comes. Right. To, I like just classy. I'm a traditionalist when yeah. it comes to courts and uniforms. You know this about me, right? Um, I'm I'm a big gray sleeve guy on the Buckeye uniform. I'm the you know that's me. I want a silver hat with Buckeye leaves. I don't want you know I don't need a a, a black hat or a you know, gunmetal hat or any, I mean, let's, let's have Ohio <laughs> state look like Ohio state. So I feel the same about the court. Um, so the one that, the one I like, I think 
I think I think they have a pretty good court right now. So I think it's the one that's most similar to that. So I've, of okay. course I won't win. And of course it'll be the ones that I hate the most are the ones where they have like the different colors of wood to make up like giant Buckeye leaves in the key. Okay. And then there's another one where the state of Ohio is like the football Buckeye decals. Right. Buckeye leaf decals. Right. Like that one's dreadful. Um, <laughs> and then there's some where the stripe is just really prominent. You know, oh yeah, that one's and, the worst one. That is the absolute worst one that. where it's like going through the middle of the court. That. Do you Just, understand that? Like Ohio no. State, like that's a Nike thing because Nike's trying to do that up here with the Browns, where it's like um united by stripes is like the Browns thing because they don't really yeah. have a logo or a rallying cry. So it's like the stripes. And so Nike's done the same thing with Ohio State where they try to make that stripe on the jersey, even though they picked the wrong damn stripe because the Buckeye, <laughs> the best Buckeye stripe is the gray stripe on the sleeves, right? right? Not the one right. that they currently use. No, you're right. Um, and we all know that. And but yet we're stuck with this red and black stripe. So I don't it's a strange thing. So I'm blaming Nike for this. But um, so which one did you like the best? I look, I, I like weird. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. I like weird. I also, here's the thing. I like weird, but I don't like the idea that Ohio State basketball branding is just going to look like Ohio State football branding. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't like the idea of using the helmet stickers on the I agree. I like the idea of the decal type stuff, but I hate the idea of just saying this is like football light. That really bothers me. So, So for me... I don't know. Like I, I was leaning towards the large Buckeye leaf in the center, but it, it is so reminiscent of the football team that really kind of bugs the crap out of me. I also kind of like the idea of the colored in Ohio, the state of Ohio. I'm going to go with probably. I like that one too. Yeah. I'm going to go with number 10. I'm going to say number 10. It's just weird enough for me, either number nine or number 10, even though I really don't like the idea of the Buckeye leaves in there. I would say either number nine or number 10, just to have the colored in city of our, or maybe number three. Number three is pretty good. I like number three. Is that so where the one of the colored in? Yeah. Yeah. I like that one. That's yeah. Number one. three. I, you know what? Number three is pretty sweet. I, I'm, I would go with that one. I like that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what the people do. So I guess everyone's going to get the vote. So we'll, I <laughs> yeah. guess we're going to decide it. Um, all right. Do we have any Ask Us Anythings as we wrap it up this week? We do. We do have some Ask Us Anythings. And guys, you can continue to send in questions to dubcast at 11warriors.com or at 11dubcast. Uh, and please, you know, again, it sustains us in the offseason. So I really appreciate it when you guys do that. Um, <laughs> our first one's from Alvin here. He wants to know, uh, do you frequently listen to or watch our old podcast and or broadcast speaking to you, Bo? Do you ever revisit those? Do I revisit the old podcasts we've done? Yeah, or any old broadcasts that you've done or calls that you made, things like that. Man, that's interesting. I, I have... Um... I mean, I've had several television jobs. And so like you always like save your last few broadcasts of every one, you know, mm-hmm. for God knows why. I've right. never watched any of them. I've never watched any of them. I've never. Um, I'll be uh, Stuart Mandel said this before he jumped on with us that the, he, he really enjoyed our Richard Lewis podcast. That's the only one that I have uh, gone back and listened to. Um, because I don't know, because we're doing them like I'm doing it with. Yeah, you. yeah. I mean, right. I'm typically in the live element so like i guess i don't even think that there's a catalog for it somewhere and i could go find them 
Yeah. Um, you know, because I usually things I do are live and they're gone and they're off to Pluto. That was always kind of the mentality. But I did go re-listen to the Richard Lewis one. And uh, it was nice that Stuart liked it as well. But um, I did go and re-listen to that one just because I'm such a huge fan of his. And that was just a bonkers interview. So that one was, was one I was like, I wanted to see if that was as I perceived it to be while doing it. And it was. <laughs> yeah, I don't I you know that that is a valuable one I think to revisit just because it's it's so ridiculous. I don't I, I don't go back and listen to these most mostly because the sound of my own voice makes me cringe. And also because I, you know, I think I analyze too much. I overthink like I should have said this or I should have said that or I shouldn't have said it that way. And I don't want to drive myself crazy. So I tend to try to avoid that. Um, there are a couple things, not for myself personally, there are some broadcasts or interviews that we've done on the site that I revisit. DJ did an interview with an Oregon NPR station before the national championship game. And I have listened to those. He did it. That he did is the most before. DJ thing of all time. Oh my God, dude. He did an interview before the national championship game oh and after the national God. championship game. And it is one of the most oh entertaining God. things I've ever heard in my entire life. I laugh until I cry every time I listen to it. It is wow. He's so funny on it. And yeah, that's uh, an appropriate medium for him. Oh my God. He did such a great job. And I li- I go back to that frequently. So yeah, I recommend people uh, look that one up if they want to relive the past a little bit. Uh we got one more here. This is from David. And this is this is a very topical one, especially tonight as we're recording here. Uh in what order do we uh like rank the uh the playoff sports so in other words what are the best post seasons in terms of rank uh for the you know professional leagues uh professional yeah he goes he goes okay. well actually not just professional he says college football then march madness nba playoffs nhl nfl and then finally baseball at the very end so i would say just off the top of my head that the one that i enjoy the most in terms of the actual the, the singular game. I really enjoy the college football playoff. I'm it's my favorite. It's my really my most beloved sport, but mm-hmm. if I can separate my own personal um, feelings from it, I would say that the two best from a, you don't know what the hell's going to happen standpoint are March madness. And even more so the NHL Stanley cup playoffs, because yeah. um, the NHL is the only one of the sports baseball to a certain degree, but not even baseball as much as, as the NHL, the NHL has 16 teams in its playoff and the eight seed in, in many instances is just as likely as the one. If it's just about goalie, like is a goalie right. hot. Yeah. And that's it. So it's just then. And then the other thing about the NHL is, is just the sheer randomness of it. Like you literally <laughs> like goals come out of nowhere. So yeah. it's, you can't really take, there's, you know, it's not like you built, get a run. Like you can be thoroughly outplayed and lose. It's like soccer in that respect where you can be thoroughly outplayed and lose because it's a, it's lucky bounces a lot of cases. So like just from a pure drama standpoint, you do hard press to beat the NHL Stanley cup playoffs. Yeah. I, that one's really high for me. I, for me, I mean, March madness is number one. I don't think so great. I, I cannot think of a tournament that really holds a candle to something like that. It is just so bonkers and crazy and ridiculous. And that's the third time I've used that word, but it's, it's been appropriate every time. Um, yeah. March Madness is super high up there. College football playoff. I enjoy the college football playoff, but like it's not, it's all about the matchups because there's, right. you've only got three games. So they better be damn good matchups. And if they're not, then the games could be super boring for the first two right. games. It's and you better, 
you better hope that the national championship is a good one. So I don't, to me, that's, I mean, I love college football. I love watching it, but to me, that's not nearly as intriguing as something like even, like you said, with the NHL, the NHL is, I mean, God, the, the level of intensity. Mm-hmm. I think the difference from a regular season NHL game to a playoff NHL game is insanely different. Like it is, it is so crazily different and watching the blue jackets. I mean, winning an overtime two games in a row yeah. uh, as you know, as of this re- you know recording was just God, like you just stay up all night thinking about it. Cause it's crazy. So for me, March madness, NHL college football, uh, major league baseball is, I don't, I, I know there's a lot of people who don't like baseball, but I think it is such a fun postseason it's, because it's that's got another that too. It's got yeah, that too. Exactly. I mean, you, you can write a hot picture. Yeah. yeah. We've seen yeah. a lot of wild card teams win the World Series. I mean, it, it has that too. Yeah. It, it is it's really comparable to the NHL in, in terms of the way the the, the intensity ramps up. Mm-hmm. Uh then NFL. And then honestly, uh for me, the NBA playoffs are such a, a chore. <laughs> they last forever. And there's so much of a foregone conclusion to a lot of it. it. It's just to me not as nearly as fun as the other one. So that's actually last for me. And it's maybe that'll change, you know, if the makeup of the NBA changes, you know, significantly and they don't have these dominant teams. But for me, it, it is just so lacking in drama and it takes so long to play them that it's it's at the bottom. So for me, March Madness is gonna be at the top, and it's very difficult to take that one off. So yeah, it's hard to beat March Madness. One thing about the NBA, I would argue that it that the NBA has over its history crowned the most worthy champion yeah. because to win the NBA championship with three best of sevens and the lack basketball doesn't have randomness, not in a best of seven, no, um, in a one-off sure. But like the NCAA tournament, which makes it so great. But like when you say it's so predetermined, well, yeah, it is. I mean, and that isn't something that's just happened now. I mean, in the eighties, it was the Lakers or the Celtics. Right. I mean, there's like four teams who could win a championship every year. So, I mean, this is the way the NBA has been forever. And, um, you know, so they crown the most worthy champion. But in many regard, you're right. It's the least interesting because you kind of know who's going to be in it. Like Cinderella doesn't get to go to the ball in the end. No. Like they're yeah. not invited. Like you might. I think there's only been one instance where an eight has beat a one. I think yeah. Denver beat. Denver with Matumbo beat the Sonics like in the nineties and that's it. Like it doesn't happen because it's a best of seven. You just don't see it. So I think that you're right. And I, and we're on the same page with, um, I mean, I love college football, but I agree. It's March Madison and NHL. It's just the randomness of both are really hard to beat. And it leads to the most drama. Yeah. So uh, that's ask us anything for this week. Please continue to send in those questions and hopefully uh, questions about our commentary on, Oh, you know, the blue jacket sweeping the Capitals. That'd be really sweet. That'd be fun, yeah. All right, buddy, good stuff. We thank Stuart Mandel for joining us on the program this week. We will be back next week with more fun. Uh, I will see you next week, my friend. Yep, see you next week.